I'm now going to invite you to open up the book that contains those wonderful words of life to page 386 in my Bible. For you, it might be different, but Psalm 22, 23, 24. We're going to be looking at three Psalms and um, I'm going to give you a promise. I will not take as long as last week. In fact, this will actually be a, a short message uh, to make up for my long one from last week. I have been looking at the Psalms lately, and we as a church are going through the Messianic Psalms, or the title I've put to the series is Psalms of the Promised One, because these are Psalms that were written thousand years before Christ came to earth, but it's about him. So in these Psalms, in a way, there is prophecy. And as we go through these Psalms, I'm asking myself the question, David, for instance, did he, did he have Jesus in mind when he wrote, being inspired by the Holy Spirit? Or was he, in his mind still God the Father? Now, you might be freaking out a bit and saying, well, Tim, you said you're going to go shorter, but you've added three Psalms. Psalm 22, 23, and 24. What's going on? Well, it's for a reason. I assure you we won't be going through every single verse, okay? It would be impossible to get through that time uh, to do that. But I've entitled this message, The Great Trilogy. It's the great trilogy that we find in these three Psalms that I believe reference the Lord Jesus Christ. They reference the Messiah, the promised one. And all three are written by David. David wrote all three. And in these three Psalms, I want to reference three metaphors that are given in the New Testament towards our Lord Jesus Christ. He is described as the good shepherd. He is described as the great shepherd. And he is described as the chief shepherd. And I just want to go through these psalms on how they, they mix in with not just the life of Christ, but his death his resurrection, and the future that we have with Jesus Christ. So we come into the Good Shepherd. And the Good Shepherd, we know, lays down his life for his sheep. We find this in John chapter 10, verses 11. Verse 11, he says, I am, Jesus speaking, the Good Shepherd. Shepherd, The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And now we go to verse, um, Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is, I believe, a reference of Jesus Christ giving his life for the sheep. For instance, 
as soon as you look at verse 1, who's seen that reference or who's who, that, that familiar phrase? And we know that that was um, said by Jesus on the cross. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, in order to um, prove that these are referencing Jesus Christ, or that this is a messianic psalm, I'm going to give some parallel passages to the New Testament writers who have referenced Psalm 22 when they're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first one was, again, Psalm 22, verse 1, in Matthew 27, 46, and Mark 15, 34. You might be familiar with the verse where he calls out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, there is some debate, actually, among scholars on what Jesus is trying to say here. But we're not going to go into that deep this morning because it, comes, it goes off the topic. And I'm not actually going to go into all these uh, references. I'm not going to turn to them myself. So therefore, if you want to do some extra study, okay, for time reasons, of course, feel free to um, ask me for the PowerPoint or... I will specifically and explicitly uh, say these out loud. And therefore, if you just want to hop online and go to whatever platform you like to listen to, and then you can um, listen to it and, and pause it if you need to, and then, and then do your own study in that. But Psalm 22 verse 1 is, is referenced by Matthew and Mark. Matthew 27, 46, and Mark chapter 15 verse 30. And then we go on to Psalm 22 and verse 18. Psalm 22 verse 18 says, They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. And we see that this is actually referenced in all four Gospels. All four. First one being Matthew 27 verse 35. Second one being found by Mark in chapter 15 and verse 24. Luke references in his gospel, in the 23rd chapter, and the, the 34th verse. And then John finally does it in chapter 19 and verse 24. About his garments and, he, and being casted as lots. So, the third one that I have up on the board is verse 22. Psalm 22 Verse 22 says, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. And we see in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, which, which um, scholars can't agree on who wrote that, is found in the 12th verse of the second chapter in that book. Referencing... Psalm 22, verse 22. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. You know, all praise goes to our Lord 
Jesus Christ. And there are some other details in the psalm that reflect um, the, the crucifixion of Christ. Up there I've got the Calvary, the, the whole process from um, the time when uh, his, his journey up to the hill of Calvary started to the time when he, um, he, he uh, gave his spirit up to the Lord. And so read with me these ones. Verse 7 of Psalm 22 says, all they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying. So in Matthew 27, verse 39, this actually doesn't um, explicitly reference this verse. Like, they haven't quoted this verse, but they've um, given a reference to um, the description of what is happening in that particular context. And they've done the same in verse 8, I believe. Verse 8, he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. And I, I believe that's referenced in Matthew 27, 43. Again, not explicitly, but symbolically. And then verse 15 of Psalm 22, um, my strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. To me, I, I believe that's strong, strongly referencing to Jesus thirsting on the cross where he says, I, I thirst. And that's found in John chapter 19, verse 28, for those who are listening online or, or wanting to reference it and look it up later. To Psalm 22, a, a, a complete description of a perfect God giving his life for the sheep. He's given his life for the sheep. So the, 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 the question of the, the obviously comes out is, first of all, are you aware that Jesus gave his life for you? And, and, and if that's true, then, then our job is to go out there and ask that same question. Are you aware that Jesus Christ gave his life for the sheep? Because it all comes down to the sacrifice that he made. What was the point of Jesus being here on earth? It was to take away the sin of the world. We have a, a truth. I'm going to call it a true fact this morning that we believe in Jesus dying on the cross and, and, and proving that he was the Son of God, so proving that his, his death and sacrifice was legitimate, was sufficient is a better word, but he did that by rising again the third day. We have that truth in us that gives us hope. It gives us a reason to be here. It gives us a purpose in, in why we're here. And we have the privilege of sharing that to people around us. Now, now you can automatically say, nah, people aren't interested in, in wanting to know that. But I, I, I challenge you 
I, I beg you to not go that way. I believe there are people out there that just don't understand. Remember, they, they say no in the parable of the soil because their understanding is lacking. And some of that understanding is purpose, uh, sorry, some of that misunderstanding is purposeful. It is blocked out. It is along the mentality of no, I, there is no God. It is the opposite. It's like, no, you're wrong, and I'm not going to even hear you out. But I think most of the time, it's people's perspective on Jesus is that it's just been tarnished, it's been misguided, it's been misrepresented. Their perspective on Jesus, on actually why he came down to earth, what the significance of the death on the cross is, what the significance of his resurrection is, their perspective on that is just messed up. And that could be because, or it could be for a number of reasons, it could be because of their experience. Um, not just in the churches, but with the, the people around them. It could be their, um, their experience with um, teachers that they've had in the past. So I just challenge you to, just to think along those lines of, think of what, the, what is their pers- perspective of Jesus giving up his life for the sheep. The ultimate response to those is, 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 is what I believe, what we're trying to Fulfill here at Fraser Coast Baptist Church on maturing our faith. The ultimate response, I believe, is, is firstly knowing that we have all been created in the image of God, but we are all on a journey to conform into the image of Christ. That's the ultimate response because. How many are there out there, and could be in this room, that we just treat this walk with Christ? Or, let's get more serious, we just treat this act of Jesus giving up his life for us as simple as, okay, you've done that for me, Lord, so I might, I might attend a Sunday here and there for church. I might say grace before my meal, just thank you that it's there. I might yeah, give a few pennies, give a few dollars to the, to the church to show that I'm all for your work. But that's not what Christianity is all about. It's about, I just think of Romans chapter 12 and those, you know, those first couple of verses. Right? First of all, um, you know, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. But, but present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So, to me, the ultimate response in Jesus giving up his life is us giving up our life for him. And all that means is putting him first before us. And I believe that's what has to happen in order for salvation to come about. God brings you to that point where you believe you are a sinner in God's eyes. 
You are a sinner in God's eyes. You know that Jesus is the only one that can forgive you because he's paid that penalty which you so readily deserve. And I... You, you, you approach the Lord with that. And I think the expected response is, Lord, I, I give you my life. I give you my life. Thank you. I understand who I am now, a sinner in, a, in, a, in the eyes of a holy God. Thank you for saving me. I just want to give you my life to you. And we know from that moment on, there are going to be ups and downs. There's going to be temptations. The devil might get a hold of you. Doesn't mean you've lost that awe or that respect or that salvation. Just means you've been tripped up along the way. And because we're all on that journey, all on that journey to, um, to conforming into the image of Christ, knowing that we'll all have that image when we are presented with our glorified bodies up in heaven. Amen? Yeah? You know, we won't have the flesh to get in the way. We won't have the, the pain and the sufferings. That's, you know, it, it, sadly... You know, sadly, some people just stay here in their immaturity phase. They, stay, they, they will still be glorified. They'll still get to the same point where the rest of us are. And the key is just to think we are all on different, yeah, different spectrums, different stages. But the key is, are we all going in the same direction? That, to me, is the ultimate response. And then finally, I just oh, go on to the next one. Now, you thought, might think that was one. Okay, that's my longest point. Okay, number one. Number two and three are going to go just like that, all right? Okay. So the great shepherd. Think of the, he's not just a good shepherd, but he's referenced um, by the writer of Hebrews also the, as being the great shepherd. The great shepherd. In, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. And I, what a great, perfect fitting than Psalm 23 to show that the Lord is the one that tenderly cares for his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a lovely journey that we see from the start of salvation to the end. The Lord being our shepherd, he tenderly cares for us. He wants, he wants the best for us. He wants the best for us. And sometimes that might mean, and I can't explain this by the way, 
I don't think anyone can. But, but, but again, just referencing to, to being in Sylvia's shoes right now. You know? You just think, does he tenderly care for me? Why would he allow this? But the key is just knowing that there's a reason. He's got a reason. He allowed it. I don't believe he necessarily caused it to happen, but he allowed it. And, and, and bless Sylvia right now. Having that, just that heart of saying, oh, okay, Lord, I'm in for the ride. I know I'm not going to like it, but I know it's for a purpose. And you, we can relate that to anything that we're going through right now. And finally, he's referenced, uh, I didn't realize it, the chief shepherd. He's actually the chief shepherd. And the chief shepherd appears as the king of glory, which we see in Psalm 24. We've, we read that this morning as our call to worship, so I don't feel like we, we have to read through it again. But he appears to claim and reward his sheep. So you might ask, where do I get that from? Well, first of all, chief shepherd. Peter writes about this in his first book of chapter 5, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd, it says, shall appear, you will receive a crown of glory that fades not away. I strongly encourage you to read that chapter verse by verse this week just to encourage you to just to I guess have a check in you know you know Lord am I doing what you want me to do because there are some descriptions in that chapter that say hey keep on going God against pride because pride is a killer and it has that where you know God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble about feeding each other and stuck bang right in the middle you will receive a crown of glory that fades not away he's going to claim us one day he's going to reward us not just in the, the, having his presence and being in a glorified body, but things that I don't think words could describe enough what it would be like beyond our imagination. Psalm 24. And you might have noticed when we read that, it's a description of um, who God is. If, even referencing the creation, and we know Jesus was in creation, thinking of uh, John 1, um, 3. Without him was not anything made that was made. He's been there from the start. And then it goes into a worship of making sure you know who this King of glory is. He is the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. That, to me, is the great trilogy that we have. In Jesus, our Messiah. In Jesus, our promised one being the good shepherd, the good shepherd that gave his life for his sheep. Jesus Christ being the great shepherd that tenderly cares for his sheep. Even when we stuff up so many times, he's there to pick us right back up. Aren't you glad for that? You know, he's not one of these gods that says, Ugh, 
You idiot, Tim. What'd you do that for? I'm just going to leave you alone for a sec just to think about what you're doing. He's there ready to help. And then he's the chief shepherd, ready to claim and to reward his sheep. I'm glad for Psalm 22, 23, 24. And I, I just ask that question again. Even the Lord is my shepherd. Can you, can you firmly say and declare in your heart, is the Lord my shepherd? Is the Lord my shepherd? Let's pray to that end. Lord, we thank you that you are indeed a shepherd. We thank you that we have the privilege of knowing Jesus Christ being a good shepherd, a, a great shepherd, a chief shepherd. We thank you for the many descriptions that you've inspired the writers to describe Jesus in this way. And Lord God, we do look forward to that day where we will be claimed. We will be taken away from this world and be brought into the presence of your glory. Where we don't have to worry about sin. We won't have to worry about temptations. We won't have to worry about fear. We won't have any doubts. We won't have any pain, praise the Lord. No sickness. No more tears. No more crying. Lord, help the person struggling in their walk with Christ to be firm with these ideas, to be firm with this hope that we have. And Father, may you always help us to persevere to never give up in this walk because we know that's what the devil wants. We know he wants to disrupt your work. So Lord, we continue to look up to you as the author of our faith, as the perfecter of our faith, the finisher. And we know it's complete in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.